Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of My Almost Dead Brother. This is Dan Knight here with Sam Knight, my brother. Hi Sam. Hello Dan, good to be here. How you feeling? I'm hanging in there. Okay, we'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, we're here with our normal crew, Katie. Hello. Andy. She's not on the headphones, but she's smiling. And today our guest, second time Larry Knight, father of ours. Hi, Dad. Hi. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good for a fat old man. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I would be wealthy. We'll get more into our guest and our questions and discussion with our dad in a minute. But first, we want to do a medical update. Uh, we are still here in the Utah Valley Specialty Hospital. Sam, you were going to get out a couple weeks ago. What's been going on? I uh, took a couple turns for the worst, and now it's back to square one almost. Last time I think we talked, you were doing much better. They were taking the IVs out. You had feeding tubes or yep, oxygen or anything like that. And they took even the belly drainage tubes were out. And they were thinking you'd be able to leave and you know get out of this hospital. But then last weekend, you started being sick, right? Like throwing up, couldn't keep any food down. They put me on feeding tubes. Your nose. Yeah, and then they also put a pick line back in. So the reason for that is what? They found more infection in your abdomen. Yep. So it was two steps forward, and now it's kind of a step back. Yeah. But you're still kind of thin and feeling weak. Is that right? Yep. Anything else to update on your health? I just need to get better. I'm trying really hard. Yeah. You've been trying hard. It's been a frustrating, long. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of when you went into the ER with Katie. It was early or mid-July, right? Mid-July. Yeah. I should have gone to the hospital sooner. I think you may have died if we hadn't gotten you in that night. You were on the brink, huh? I you would have died that very night. Yep. Was your belly just huge? Oh, my gosh. Were you scared to go in? Is that why you waited so long? For sure. You kept telling me it was food poisoning. Did you think it was food poisoning, or did you know deep down it was worse? I didn't know what it was. It was scary. The best was when Katie brought me some NyQuil. It was the middle of the work day, and... I know. He said he was sick, so I brought him NyQuil and Gatorade and crackers. Yep. He was just at your condo? Yeah, he was at Joanne's condo, and I was at work, so I came home in the middle of the day, and I was like, I feel like you're a little more sick, because you were just sweating and shaking. (laughs) That was the same day you took him to the ER later? Was it the same day? Yeah, so I went on my lunch break, and then I brought you all that food, and then I came home (laughs) right after and checked on you, and you were still in the same state, but you wouldn't go to the hospital. So then I called you or texted you just a couple hours later, and you're like, yeah, I need to go. He texted me and said, I'm taking Sam to the ER. Oh, I wonder what's wrong. And then it was way worse than we thought. They got you right back. They could just tell. I'm sure. Once they saw my belly and took some of my stats, my vitals, they were probably just like, this dude's dead. She's whispering to the other nurse, might not even be worth trying. (laughs) I do think they thought you were going to die pretty soon. For sure. The way the doctors were talking. It was funny, too. You probably don't remember this, but the doctor came in and said, we're going to admit you to the ICU. And you were freaked out. And you're like, okay. And so you started to stand up. And the, the nurse is like, no, you get to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to walk anymore. That's funny. Okay. Well, that's the update on medical. It's not, not the best news, but it's not terrible. So as I mentioned before, we're glad to have our special guest, the patriarch of the night's. Larry. So, Dad, what have you been doing these last weeks since you got home from your mission? Well, just trying to 
get back in shape and getting used to Utah. Yeah. It's a lot different here. You've been in Alabama, right? Right. What's so different about it? <laughs> we don't have time to cover that <laughs> okay. all. We were in a very unique place in a rural area. In fact, we lived on a plantation. Well, we have a listener question we want to answer. And this comes from a longtime family friend, Holly Strongwoodman. I call her Hollywood. And this is a question for Sam. So just for a little background, Holly went to high school at Provo High School where we all went, but she is exactly in between Katie and Andy's age. And so we never really knew if she was Katie's friend or Andy's friend because she was really both of their friends. Sometimes she'd come over with Katie, sometimes she'd come over with Andy, and they all played on the same basketball team and all this stuff. So her question is this, Sam, who do you like better, Katie or Andy? You want me to answer that? Yeah, well, Holly does. Okay, let me think about it. It's an exact tie. <laughs> oh, good answer. Very diplomatic. Would you like to ask Holly a question? Yeah. Who does she like better? Yeah. I think she's projecting that question on you because she's conflicted herself. She doesn't know. Katie, what do you think? Well, I think she was my friend first because I met her in junior high when Andy was still in elementary school. So true. Andy <laughs> says that she hung out more with her, so maybe she passed you up. It is a controversy. Holly's always been kind of an enigma for our family. We don't know if she likes Andy or Katie more. I feel like she knows me more now because I live near them. She had an actual second part of the question, and the second part was, what were the best things your mom and dad did while trying to parent a hellion such as yourself? This is for you, Sam. And She says she was asking for a friend. They just loved me. Really, that's the main thing they did. Even when you were... A hellion. Hellion. How did you know they loved you? They never gave up on me and were always encouraging and told me. Dad, what from your perspective, how would you answer that? What worked and what didn't work? The main thing we did was to love all our kids, and especially Sam. You need to understand something. I was uh, an only child, and I didn't have a father. And my mother, of course, had to work. So I kind of was on my own. like to go places and learn new things and... I was interested in how the world was. Those days you could go watch the football team practice. I'd go do that. Where, at BYU? Yeah, BYU. How old were you when you were just wandering around by yourself? About six or seven. Really? And your mom was? She worked at BYU Library. You were a latchkey kid is what they call them. Yeah, I was a latchkey kid. Did you have buddies that you'd go do all this stuff with? Not really. I, I had some friends here and there. and I had friends in school, but I didn't have any really close friends. I, I enjoyed reading. What I read was sports magazines, and Newsweek and Sports Illustrated were how I learned to read. So having that type of childhood led you directly to having nine children. I have to say one other thing that I'd tell people. They'd ask me about having as many kids, and I'd just say, well, I was an only child, and I overcompensated. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, you did. You sure did. <laughs> so all that background of being alone as a youth and having so many kids, did any of that help prepare you to raise a hellion like Sam? Well, I knew a lot about drugs because I had all kinds of friends that did use drugs, and I knew what happened to them. Like co-students at yeah. Stanford? Oh, yeah. How did that prepare you to deal with? Oh, I'm not sure it did. You're at least, at least aware of it. I knew what damage it could do. But anyway, that was my background, 
And my wife, Jewel, grew up in a family of six kids, and they were hard workers. Her father was a very dynamic leader in the area, and, and she loved her father and wanted to please him, and she was proud. She was the fastest worker at the cannery, and her dad was a pretty tough disciplinarian, so Jewel was tough on the family, and, and me too. Oh, yeah. Mom was the disciplinarian. You were more the laid-back parent. When you got mad, we knew we were in big trouble, but that didn't happen hardly much. Anyway, what I'm saying is, that she was more aggressive in trying to make everything right for the kids. I did too, but I would try to support them. And if you had your brothers raising kids, would you have let them go and explore on their own, like you were? Well, yeah, more than most kids get to. Everybody protects kids nowadays, and they don't let them go anywhere. We found out that Sam was doing things he shouldn't be when he was a in junior high and high school. How did you find out? Well, one night we waited up late for him and he came in. In fact, he didn't get in the house. We heard something in the bushes and went out and there was Sam in the bushes, drunk. Do you remember that, Sam? Yeah. We had a little talk with him and Sam talked about Jewel going in and asking him to explain what he did and why he liked it and by the time he was in high school, he was uh, really out of control. And one instance when he was drunk, well, we insisted that he go to the hospital. They had a section for uh, addiction and uh, that sort of thing. And they evaluated him and told him he was an alcoholic. And he thought that was a lot of baloney. When was this? Well, this is when he was in high school. He was about a junior. And uh, Sam, do you remember that? I didn't even know about I that. I thought it was baloney. How old were you? I was 16 or 17. Did you go to, like, Utah Junior. Valley Hospital? Yeah. And they told you they thought you were an alcoholic? I was just like, oh, you tell everybody that. You thought, like, that was their standard response to anything? get another bed full. <laughs> did you stay there? I don't think I did that time. But anyway, it accelerated. Before he got out of high school, he kind of left home and lived with a bunch of boys, and we were very worried, and... Jewel decided to do something about it, and she went down and bought him a bus ticket. And I don't know how he did it, but we twisted his arm and put him on the Greyhound bus to go back to Maine, where his brother Joe was on a mission. Yeah, Joe was serving a mission in the Boston, Massachusetts mission, but he was in Maine at that time. Yeah, actually, he was toward the end of his mission. And so we sent Sam on that trip, and he made it all the way. (laughs) And actually, he stopped in Connecticut because Sandy was there working as a nanny. So, Sam, what do you remember about that trip? Every detail. Were you scared? What were you thinking? I was pretty scared. Did you have to change buses and stuff? Yeah, a few times. So this was when you're 16, not after high school? Yeah. Okay. You were a little bit younger. If Joe was on his mission, you would have been probably 16. Did mom tell you or mom or dad tell you why they wanted you to go do that? I think it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Just to get away from friends? Yeah. Well, and have somebody that you might listen to. Did you go kicking and screaming or did you have a choice? You don't have a choice when your mother tells you to do that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have a choice. I was pretty much resigned to going. In previous episodes, we've talked from a few different perspectives of Sam's birth and Tommy and those twins when they were born. What do you remember about that time when mom was pregnant with the twins and all that? And she was a little girl and everybody noticed her when she walked around. She was so short she, and short, her belly was yeah, almost as yeah, big as her height. Yeah, Everybody commented on it. I don't know. She didn't seem to be embarrassed about it. But I also remember the night they were born, she was feeling like she was going to have labor pains. Or We went in and they said, well, you're not ready yet, but it's probably soon. 
And so we went to a drive-in movie. It was Bonnie and Clyde we were watching. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. And about three quarters of the way through, all of a sudden she said, well, we've got to go back. So we left. Did you go straight to the hospital? or we went you... straight to the hospital. And Sam was born right away and came out and was just fine. But Tommy was in the birth canal a long time, and they were worried he'd have lack of oxygen and might have problems. And Jewel became very uptight about it and kept yelling at the, the doctor to, to cut her open and take him out. How long would you say he was in there? Oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes or something like that. After Sam was out. Yeah. There was a, another problem, and Sam got more than his share of red blood cells, and Tommy got just white red cells, and he was very anemic. That was why he was so lethargic. On the other hand, Sam was as strong as could be. He was, And it turned out that uh, they got an infection when they were young, and about a month later, uh, Tommy got really sick. And I remember the night there, my mother was there helping, and we said, we've got to get him to the hospital. And they said, stop before you leave, give him a blessing. So I gave him a name and a blessing before I walked out and, and took him to the hospital, and he passed away that night. I remember the time because it was right during... Martin Luther King's uh, assassination. Yeah, Martin Luther King was assassinated on April 4th, and Tommy died on the 6th, was it? 6th, yeah. Everybody was mourning Martin Luther King, but we were mourning Tommy. And, a uh, sad time. It was a tough time. And we had the funeral in Palo Alto, and then we flew to Utah and had the burial there. There was a gravesite where Jewel's sister's baby was buried. And so there was enough room, and so they were both buried in the same site. When we came back, I had I had a job Hewlett Packard, and I was supposed to go someplace on a trip. And uh, Jules' sisters were there taking care of her, and my mother was there. When I came back from the trip, Sam was sick. He had the same infection, I guess, and he was breathing hard. And from another incident, the help of a medical student I knew, he told me that if somebody's breathing more than 40 times minute, you better get him to the hospital. And Sam was. So I just came in from that trip and I picked him up and he was there in the hospital and he was just as sick as Tommy, but he was a lot stronger. And was it pneumonia? It was pneumonia. Jewel had kind of an intuition about kids and their health. She could tell when they had earaches. She took Sam into the doctor while I was gone because he was so sick. And the doctors kind of put her off and said, well, you're just overreacting to the death of your other child. He's okay. He'll be just fine. And he, they intimidated her so badly that even when he was breathing hard, and I'm sure she knew he was really sick, but she was afraid to she go was back afraid to, to bring the, him in. Tick me off, so we found new doctors immediately. So after all that, it was a very sad time for a while. Yeah. But then some real sunshine and joy was breathed into the family 18 or 20 months later, right, when I was born. That's getting... really true. <laughs> It was great. I remember, uh, actually, you were born in Provo. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, um, talk about Mom having intuition. I remember her sometimes when she would walk in when I was asleep and I was having an earache. She would just know things like that. And when I was on my mission, I got in a bike accident, and I was in the hospital. I was in South America in Uruguay. And mom called the mission home just because right. she had a feeling something was wrong. So anyways, did you think mom had intuition about Sam's troubles before you had evidence of it? Yeah, probably. She had a couple of wild brothers. And I think she recognized the, the signs and stuff. But anyway, a trip to Maine kind of blew me away, but <laughs> I always trusted her. Was that her idea? That was her totally. idea. 
I wouldn't have thought of anything that dramatic. That was pretty drastic, I thought. Yeah, it was. Did it work? Nope. <laughs> when you got back from that trip to Maine, did you have a change of attitude at all, or what were you thinking? When you got off the bus, what was the first thing you wanted to do? Punch mom and dad in the face. You were just angry. <laughs> what did you do on the bus for all those hours? I would just sit there and read magazines. Did you talk to any other passengers? Not a ton, but some. I was pretty intimidated. When you were with Sandy, you hung out with her and her family when she was being a nanny, right? Did she give you advice or did you guys talk about life stuff? Sure. What kind of stuff would she say? Oh, let's go to church. What about Joe? Did you actually go out as a missionary with him and try to talk to people? What do you remember about that? It was boring. Then he'd only make me do it for a few hours a day. And then I'd go with one of the members there, Herb. And he would go with his companion, and it was, it was okay. So we also have talked in past episodes about how, for you, Sam, Tommy's grave was a significant place, right? Absolutely. Have you spent a lot of time there? Yeah. When would you go there? In the evenings when I didn't really have any place to live and stuff. I'd sleep there in my car. You actually slept at the cemetery? Yeah. What would entice you to go there? Just... Wanting a little comfort. So, Dad, what were some of your favorite moments of raising two wonderful, awesome young boys? We had a lot of fun together. You mentioned that trip to California where we all were there and went to baseball games. That was fun. Yeah. Do you remember taking us all to the Richards Building in the Smithfield House at BYU to play basketball? Yeah. I got one of the coaches at BYU to teach you how to shoot. Remember that? I do. I think I was too young. I remember that happening with Sam and Joe. I remember when you and Sam and Joe used to go play pickup ball. I was too little, so I'd just watch. So, Dad, what are some of the things you love about Sam, or what are some of his best attributes? Well, Sam loves people. His basketball coach at Pro High told me that he'd watched him play football, and Sam should be playing guard because he's just always taking care of people. He should play guard on the football team because he'd keep people away from the quarterback. Now, I was kind of ticked off because Sam could throw the ball a mile. I thought he should be the quarterback. So did I. I could have. <laughs> he was that way, and he worries about his siblings, and he wants to help them. Loves his nieces and nephews and things like that. And he, everybody loves Sam because he is that way. He's a good father. Well, he, he is, except for some of the times when he's out of it with his addiction. He's a wonderful father. His girls love him, and and that's one of his legacies. I think that love has influenced them because they're great young ladies now, and they're all married and getting grandchildren. They are going to all have kids. Yeah, your oldest, Mandy, has three, right? Mm -hmm. Samantha has a little girl, and Courtney's due in just a few weeks, right? So, Sam, anything you want to tell us about Larry Knight? Yeah, he's a great dad. A lot of respect for him. I think we all tried to take an example from Larry Knight. Yep, he's been a rock for all of us forever. Yep. Through a lot of hard times and happy times, and like you say, he's been the best example that a father could be. Okay, Sam, here's another question for you. You went to the hospital almost a year ago. In that time, what have you learned? Um, that my family really cares and loves me. They all rallied to me, which was pretty awesome. A lot of the nurses were like, that's cool that's really cool was that surprising to you no i wouldn't say surprising i just didn't know how often no i wasn't surprised it's just it's nice to see actually it was just nice to feel loved and supported we're pretty close family and nobody left when i said a swearing word we were all very offended though 
I know that once you got outside, you're all like, did you hear what he said? We've been keeping track. Got it written down? We have little tally marks. For the different swear like words. 532 or something. We have our own little bets going on. And where I'm going to end up and stuff. Just how many times you're saying what word. Yeah, we've got a list for each word, too. You say what the subject was. And we know how to press your buttons. When did you say the most swear words? I know you're joking, but like, when have you been the maddest in this situation? Like, or in the most pain, or you've felt the most angry? Have you been more mad at visitors or hospital personnel? Or procedures? Because I've been here when you've been pretty mean to hospital personnel. I was going to say hospital. But you were pretty upset when one of the procedures didn't go through. Like, maybe that's more disappointing than people. Or Oh, yeah, there was that night that... You kicked me and Andy out. You were super mad, but it was understandable because you were heartbroken. Oh, I thought it was going to be a great night and everything was going to be awesome. And, and then when you found out that it didn't work, so you were discouraged. Yep, and I was just like, it's never going to work. Yeah. I'm screwed. This is my life right here. All the doctors at one point were pretty perplexed, like ready to give up. They were. But it seems like whatever they did, the last procedure was good. And since then, you've slowly gotten a little bit better at least enough to take the tubes out yeah but obviously you're still fighting yeah but i also had some physical setbacks like falling in joe's garage and i think there's other factors in that i needed to be more careful so probably time to wrap things up so you can get some rest sam but it's been a good time to hang around and chat with you guys dad any final words of wisdom for us i don't know if i have any words of wisdom but i'm glad to be here with you and it's been a good experience good to have you here sam yeah. do you have any final say give you the last word Hasta la pasta <laughs> over and out you stole that from me this podcast is hosted by me dan knight and features sam knight it is produced by katie knight and andy ellis with larry knight as the executive producer music by dot and then dot Check out more of their great music at dotandthenDot.com. 